Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Hello, and I'd like to welcome you again in this study of this wonderful book of Exodus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you sent the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, the Messiah, to us. We thank you, Lord, for Moses, who told us that a prophet shall the Lord thy God raise up unto thee like unto me. Him shall ye hear. Help us this day, Lord, that we might hear him in the Scriptures, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you turn in your Bible to Exodus chapter 3, verse 5, we'll continue here as we read. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good land and a large unto the land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Now, we saw how the Lord Jesus Christ identified himself in verse 6. This is God, Jehovah, God, Adonai, God, the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 6 of Exodus, he identified himself as I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And what happened here is when Moses understood that this was God who was speaking to him out of the bush, we see in verse 6 Moses' response, which was, Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the question is, why did Moses hide his face? What was Moses afraid of? Because he was afraid, as it says, that he was afraid to look upon God. Why was Moses afraid to look upon God? Because Moses, in his fear to look upon God, was not alone in the scriptures in this response of fear to look at God. The prophet Isaiah was afraid. It says in Isaiah 6.1, in the year that King Uzziah, 
died, I saw also the Lord. This is where Isaiah said, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Then if you drop down to verse 5 of that chapter, Isaiah 6, it says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That was Isaiah's response. Jacob had a similar response. Jacob saw the face of God. He wrestled with God all night long, and he was so impressed with the fact that he saw the face of God that he named the place the face of God, Peniel, the face of God. And he thought he should have died, and he was surprised that he had not died when he said in Genesis 32:30, and Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Manoah, the father of Samson and his wife, both of them saw God. And Manoah said to his wife in Judges 13:22, and Manoah said unto his wife, We shall surely die because we have seen God. But they didn't die. Job had a similar response. He saw God. And he said in Job 42, 5 through 6, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee, wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Peter's response to seeing the Lord Jesus Christ, when he realized that Jesus was God, it says in Luke 5, 8, when Jesus saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a man, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So here we have this group who saw God. We have Moses, we have Jacob, we have Isaiah, we have Manoah and his wife, we have Job, we have Peter, and they all had this same response when they saw God. It was fear because they were acutely aware that they were sinful like everyone else, it says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Can you imagine what it'll be like when everyone stands before God in judgment and becomes acutely aware of his own personal sin, how much he deserves an eternity in hell? Hebrews 10.31 says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. A fearful thing to fall. Dying is like falling. All of our lives, we try to stay alive, and then when we die, we fall down. We fall down dead. And it's a fearful thing, just in general, it's a fearful thing to lose your balance. It's a fearful thing to fall. It's a fearful thing to fall where you don't know what you're falling into. To be referring to death as a fall is doubly fearful. To die as in a fall and not know where you are going when you die in that fall, not know where you will fall, that's doubly fearful. To just die and hope that everything's gonna be all right, that's doubly fearful. But it's triply fearful to fall with death and find out that the fall is right into the hands of the living God to die in sins and not have an effective sacrifice for sins, to fall in death 
and that without an effective sacrifice into the hands of the living God is triply fearful. And God doesn't want that to happen to anyone. That's why God invites people today to take his offer of the Lord Jesus Christ as the effective lamb, the lamb of God who died for sins. So he calls out to everyone to look to God now and be saved. That's what he said in Isaiah 45, 22, where he said, look unto me and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. God knows that everyone's a sinner. God knows that it will be the worst disaster for anyone to stand before God in their sins, to fall into the hands of the living God. That's why God has provided himself as the effective lamb, the lamb of God to take away the penalty for sins before anyone dies. Just like it says in John 8, 24, I said therefore unto you, the Lord Jesus speaking, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. And John the Baptist, when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ, he said in John 1, 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. That's the term that he used, the Lamb of God. For us, it means the effective Lamb. Why the effective Lamb? Because he effectively takes away the sin of the world. We can just picture now this scene when we have here in Exodus 3, 6, where it says, and Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. So there stands Moses, absolutely terrified, because he knows that like all others, he has seen God, and he as a sinner should die. And Moses is standing there, and he's so afraid that he hides his face in fear, and he's wondering, what is God going to do next? Will I die now in my sins? What does God want to do? And that scene of Moses there hiding his face, absolutely terrified, waiting to see what will happen next, fully expecting God to judge him, as it says there, and then when Moses hiding his face, he's trembling in fear, and then he hears these words of verse seven. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So as Moses is standing there, trembling, hiding his face, expecting to hear, sinful man, I banish you to eternal, eternity in hell. But what's this? What's this now that Moses hears? Moses can hardly believe what he hears. Just picture Moses there. He's so scared, but he's just picking up the words that he hears that God is speaking and he's trying to process these words as he's picking them up like fruit, one by one, trying to figure out, is God for me? Is God against me? And he hears these words in verse seven. He hears these words, I have surely seen the affliction. And Moses thinks, he really didn't say, I have seen their sin? And Moses hears these words in verse seven, my people, and Moses says, he really didn't say, I cast them off. And Moses hears these words in verse seven, I have heard their cry. And Moses thinks, 
He really didn't say, I heard their cursing. And Moses hears the words of verse 7, I know their sorrows. And Moses thinks, he really didn't say, I know their sins. And Moses hears the words of verse 8, I am come down to deliver. And Moses thinks, he really didn't say, I'm come down to judge. And Moses hears the words of verse 8, bring them unto a good land. And Moses thinks, he really didn't say, bring them into hell. And Moses hears the words of verse eight, milk and honey, and Moses thinks, he really didn't say fire and brimstone. And Moses hears the words of verse seven, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me. And Moses thinks, he really didn't say the cry of their sin has come unto me. And Moses hears the words of verse nine, I have also seen the oppression of the Egyptians. And Moses thinks, he really didn't see say I have seen how they oppress each other. And as Moses processes all of what he heard and what he didn't hear, Moses makes a great discovery where Moses thinks to himself, I guess I really didn't understand God. The fact that I was hiding my face and sitting here trembling in fear and, and afraid to look on God, I guess I didn't know God. I guess I didn't know what page God was on. I thought God was coming to judge, but I see now God was not coming to judge. And Moses is processing all these words and Moses is coming to this conclusion and Moses is realizing he was wrong what he thought about God. And after he's processed all of verses seven and nine, Moses comes then to understand the truths in John 3, 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And Luke 9, 56, For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Lord Jesus also said in Luke 19, 10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so well, only after Moses stopped being afraid, only after that, he stopped trembling and he opens his eyes. And only after that did Moses get on God's page of saving the lost. And then Moses decided that he was going to be God's vehicle to save the lost. Many people today are still with Moses in verse six, hiding their face from God, afraid of God. Many people today, because they have sinned and they know they've sinned and they, should, they think they should stay away from God, many people today are like Adam in the state that we saw him in Genesis 3 where he was running away from God, hiding in the garden because he thought that God wants to get his hands on him to judge him for what he's done. And what made the difference? Moses was there too, hiding his face, afraid to look on God. But what made the difference for Moses? When did Moses stop to be afraid? When did Moses take his hands away from his face and stop hiding his face? What made the difference for Moses? It was when Moses listened to what God said. It was when Moses heard the words of God, and came to understand that God saves from sin, that God wants to deliver. And it was after that Moses realized 
that he did not have to fear God anymore. That's why it is so important today for a lost sinner to stop running away from God and to turn to God and to hear and to receive the words of God in the Bible. Turning to God and knowing who he is through his words in the Bible stops the fear and it stops the fear because it brings an understanding. And the understanding is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What makes this difference is hearing God's words. But God makes this invitation to be saved and to be delivered from sin, but it's limited. It's limited to this lifetime because the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But Hebrews 9, 27 also says, for it is appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. Now, Notice in verse seven where we see here what has motivated God to come to Moses. What's motivated God to come to Moses? It says in verse seven, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. We see how God did not say I have seen, but he said I have surely seen, double emphasis, God told Moses in verse seven, that he had surely seen how his people were being afflicted by the Egyptians. And then in verse seven, God said that he has seen how his people have been oppressed by the Egyptians. And you know what's very interesting when you read verse seven? It's not just only, I have surely seen, but what's interesting in verse seven is how God refers to the Jewish people who are being afflicted. God said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. He said, my people. That's the first time in the Bible that God calls the Jewish people my people. So it's Moses. Moses here at the burning bush was the first one to ever hear God call the Jewish people by this new term, my people. And this new term, my people, for the Jewish people, is a term that God will use over 200 times from here throughout the Old Testament. The Bible, now we understand, the Bible is a revelation of who God is as seen in his relationship with his people. Wouldn't exactly say it was a smooth relationship, at times pretty rocky, but nevertheless, the Bible is a revelation of who God is as seen in his relationship with this people that he calls my people. God will use the term my people in the book of Exodus 17 times. And the theme really of the book of Exodus is God delivering his people from Egypt and bringing his people to himself. God's people then turn away from God. That's the, we're going now through the history of the Jewish people. God's people turn away from God. It's culminated when God's people, the Jewish people, 
call for God who came in the flesh to be crucified and they watch him die with a sign over his cross that says king of the Jews. In essence, that's where God is saying, I am the God of my people. So the Bible is a plea from God to his people to repent or turn back to God. That's why the term my people is the most used in the major prophets because that's where God especially reaches out his hand of mercy to them. So we find the term my people is used in the book of Isaiah 27 times. We find the term my people used in the book of Ezekiel 30 times. But the term my people is the most used by the weeping prophet, by Jeremiah, where we find the term my people used 45 times in the book of Jeremiah. Now, if you had a son and your son turns away and rebels against you, when would you use the term my son more? Before he turned away from you or after he turned away from you? You'd use the term my son more after he turns away from you. Before he turns away from you, you might say from time to time, I love you, my son. My son, I love you. Something like that. But after he turns away from you, then your heart's broken. And what are you saying all the time? My my son, my son, come back. Oh, my son, my son. You would lament for your son. That's why the term my people is used so much by the weeping prophet Jeremiah. It's God lamenting for his people. As a matter of fact, God through Jeremiah laments so much for his people that Jeremiah actually writes a second book called Lamentations, which is God lamenting for his people. And when God through Jeremiah laments over his people, he describes two evils which have caused his people to be lost and to turn away from him. And he describes them in the book of Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 2.13, where he says, for, and there's that term, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed out for themselves, and hewed them out, cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So this picture of God calling out to his people, the Jewish people, is seen when the Lord Jesus Christ stands in front of Jerusalem and cries out in Matthew 23, 37 through 39 with these words. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, can't you just hear the my people in those words. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till ye shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Also, God reaching out to Israel is seen as it's captured in Romans 10, 21, quoting from Isaiah, 
but it says in Romans 10, 21, but to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and a gainsaying people. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 